Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we got one big day for us today. This is John Katsimatidis and... Uh, we have uh, a whole studio full of people here. We have, uh, but no Republicans today, only Democrats. We, we scared them off today. We, we scared off the Republicans today. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Governor uh, David Patterson. And we have another governor in the uh, studio. Uh, we have Governor Jim McGreevy. Absolutely. And yeah. New Jersey. And I understand there's rumors, rumors <laughs> that the governor may be running for mayor. Now, if you win for mayor... Uh, can we still go call you governor? <laughs> call me Jim. That's, a, that's, a nice, you, that's right? the nicest thing that anybody's called me. All right. We got a, a whole day full of big news uh, for, for the show today. And let's start off with uh, breaking news. WABC. And joining us now is Michael Reese, who was on the Titan sub on an earlier trip. Uh, Michael, first of all, our thoughts and prayers. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard this terrible news that just broke? You know, just to be perfectly candid, as a man who'd been through this, my wife and I, when we heard the news on Sunday that the sub was missing and it lost communication, we knew it would be a bad ending. We we knew that, you know, we tried to stay optimistic. We were interviewed a lot and tried to look on the bright side of things. But this was a very well-built sub and a very responsible company, but they were at the mercy of the harshest environments in the world. And when you start, when you hear one small thing goes wrong, uh, you know it's going to have dire consequences. What was your reaction to? Because you knew some of these guys, right? Uh, at least some of the ones that were on this Titan sub were on what the ship that led you out. Yes, I, I knew I knew Stockton Rush, the founder of the company. He was piloting the sub. Uh, you know, this he was a visionary. He's the great American dreamer, and he infected us with his dreams. And as I say, he he was a brilliant man. He was an engineer. He he was a wit. He he was a salesman, uh, and he was an excellent pilot. And uh, that was it. He tried to do the impossible, and he actually succeeded, you know, 10 times. He brought 10 different voyages down to the to uh, to the Titanic before his luck finally ran out. What is it like down there? You were down there. What was it like? It's an amazing thing. People love this part of the story that I got on the submarine, and even though I was filled with trepidation, and even though I was hugely excited about the adventure of a lifetime. I fell asleep on the way down. It's a two and a half hour drop straight down. And he built, you know, the submarine on the inside is dark and warm and comfortable. And there's nothing but blackness outside the small porthole that I dozed off and didn't wake up till we, we touched bottom. And, wow. uh, I and knew that is I a knew Hamish. way to wake up. Yeah. You knew, I knew Hamish? Yeah, did, you, did you meet? Yeah, I'm Hamish. Uh, he talked to me a couple of months ago, and he wanted to buy one of my 727 uh, jets. Oh, my. He, uh, you know, that 
it attracted an amazing group of people. I heard about one or two people who seemed to just be record setters and I got to get there and I got to do this. But most of them were just people like me, just people who loved the world and had kind of a boundless curiosity to see things with their own eyes. You know, they, they weren't skydivers and they weren't people who climbed Mount Everest just to get a selfie up there. They're people who really just wanted to be places and see what the world had to offer. Now, you're, you're a writer, right? You're a writer with The Simpsons, isn't that? Is I, that correct? I've been with The Simpsons for 35 years, and writers have a lot of free time, and if, if, I spend you, all of mine traveling. If you allow me, did you have to pay? Yeah, yes, I did. I paid quite a bit. My wife. 250000 Is that That's what uh, they were saying. You know, candidly, I don't know. My wife just kept saying, I got a good deal. And, I, you know, I don't know if she got it for half price or for $10 off. But, you know, we all love a bargain. Well, and then if she bought life insurance, then she couldn't lose. <laughs> I, I I apologize for for making a joke on a, a bad day like this, and uh, but uh, that's all we can do right now. And uh, and I feel bad for those families. I feel bad. Uh, uh, I got to know Hamish a little bit, and uh, it's very very sad. It is so sad. I you know your thoughts too of what's the future now of, of these sort well, of private endeavors. Well, too. no, I want to know. How much time did you spend down there looking at the uh, Titanic, and did you see, did you feel like you saw something worth seeing? Yes, I'll tell you my experience, which was a little off, which is you have, it takes two and a half hours to get down, you have three hours on the ocean floor, and then two and a half hours to go back, and it's limited to about 10 hours at the most just because you have to come back in daylight so that your your ship can find the submarine bobbing in the water. So you have three hours down there, and we landed about 500 meters away from the Titanic. Just And I heard that number again today, that the, uh, the submarine seemed to have imploded 500 meters away from the Titanic. So Correct. I recognize that location. But when you land there, you don't know where you are. You know, you're, you're in the darkest darkness you can imagine. And we spent two and a half hours just groping in the dark, using our best estimate to find where the Titanic was. And with 20 minutes to go before we had to leave, we stumbled on it. And, you know, I got the Instagram experience. We took a picture of the porthole and the anchor. We got, I got to see the bow of the ship. Uh, and then we had to go. And it wasn't... It you, wasn't you mean they were that disoriented? Were they, they took them two and a half hours to find it after they, they landed on the bottom? That is correct. It's, you know, when you... We drop like a stone. We drop directly above the... Uh, the sinking site, the Titanic site, but there are in two and a half miles, there are underwater currents that will buffet you this way and that. And your compasses don't quite work right when you're down there. And so you're going on maps and using, just using common sense. So let me ask you, Michael, based on that, the fact that they believe they lost contact at an hour 45, um, 
and maybe it's catastrophic very quickly. You think it was just obviously an implosion that just happened so fast. I think it happened so fast. And, you know, it's, it's in the scale of things, it's a large sub that if, if there was the slightest imperfection, a scratch or something like that, somewhere in the, the entire complex vehicle, that could have been all it took to, uh, to, to make it implode. Absolutely. Michael Reese, thank you so thank much you for so being much. with us on such a sad day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Wow, wow. amazing, wow. John. I mean, two, two and a half hours down, two and a half hours up, and only three hours on the ground, and it took them two hours and two and a half hours to find the, the Titanic. And, they and then he only saw it for They didn't yeah. know where the hell they were. Yeah, it said it's so dark. You know what's so sad, John? And with the big news that, of course, they discovered the debris of the Titan, they said they only, that they lost communications one hour, 45 minutes down. So, you know, I mean, it was obviously catastrophic, John, what happened. It was sudden. It was catastrophic. They said the pressure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, if there's any blessing, it, it happened fast. What was interesting was he said it could be any kind of minor defect that could cause this. This implosion. Yes, mm. he says the because the pressure is so tight down there that even if it's a scratch, which is scary. Yeah, really scary. And if you look at the pictures, John, of this of this craft, it looks like a PlayStation that was guiding, like was sort of the the uh, you know the steering of this craft of this actual Titan craft. It looked like a like a second graders, but they contend it was okay. And this guy said it was the same materials that he used, and he went down successfully. Thank goodness this guy we just spoke to came back okay. Now, the, the real mystery in this uh, studio today is is Jim McGreevy is the governor running for mayor. Well, why, I think we why, ask why do you want to run for mayor? Tell us. <laughs> is that, what you is that born there. He was born there. Born in Jersey City. You know, um, Governor Byrne used to always say, John, that he wanted to be buried in Hudson County so he can stay active in Democratic politics. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's just, you know, that's where my family came. Actually, my, my grandparents, when I they mean, came. we could bury you in Chicago when you're Chicago, gone. That way you can keep, keep voting. voting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, see, judge, see what happens. I know. He gets warmed up and, uh, like the volleys start coming across. <laughs> Um, that's because we will support you and love you, Governor. Oh, Judge, you're, you're, you're generous. No, it's, Jersey City's a great community, and it's a great community of hardworking families, neighborhoods, parishes, and a lot of good things have happened. But there, there are challenges, you know, there are opportunities to make always things better, and it, it would be, John, it's, um, my, my, my parents live there on, on Greenville and Lafayette, and it's, in a sense, for me, I, I love the community, and it's coming home. Well, today uh, is uh, WABC is uh, celebrating Pride Day. You know, I, I just and like we, I love we, his segue. He goes from Jersey City <laughs> to Pride. We, we got, made you Grand Marshal of the Pride Day, um, as, as my grandmother would say, Mother of God. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I walk in here and I I happen to be a Jersey City guy who who who's happens to be gay, and now I'm like, right. you know, and now, now I get all these accolades. No, it's it's um. It's a pride, pride month. And, you know, I was just thinking, um, John, of, of people who deserve candidly this recognition so much more than I do. I mean, there's Father Michael Judge, uh, who was the chaplain of the New York City Fire Department. Wow. 
Right. And, and who was killed at 9-11. He was yeah. killed at yes. 9-11. In fact, I just Good went, I just went to the museum man. about two weeks ago and was and saw the exhibits to him. Wow, really touching. Now, we had this morning, I was on with Sid Rosenberg, and and we had uh, Bill, watch Bill White uh, from The Intrepid. Yes. And he says him as a gay person uh, is very upset with um, uh, what they're what, – they're trying to do with kids and and, and and put them into the gay situation. In other words, uh, I know we had a a, a young lady that that uh, some of the transgender surgeries, some surgery. of the surgeries, and, yes. And and, and, uh, and do you have any particular feeling? I mean, I, I don't care what adults do, but when it comes to minors, I think it's wrong. Yeah, I'm. You know, this might be. I mean, as as a father, I'm protective of my daughters and you know part of it is you know and i i think you know when you educate your children you bring to bear your values your perspectives your ideas and so for me um that's part of who and I, who and what i am as as a family and and i just think for for me it's it's you know especially doing pride month is that you want to and the work what I do, because I work with a lot of prisoners, I work with people, combat veterans. Um, I'm very conscious, John. I think the, the biggest challenge for me is to protect young men and women uh, who happen to be gay in state prison so that whether they're victims of abuse, whether they're victims of violence, to try to work with them, uh, to work with the, the the state to protect those individuals and to also provide opportunities for young men and women when they come out of jail. And I think that that's the focus. But as to my kids, my, my daughters are my daughters, and, and that's traditionally been my role. By the way, there has been, sadly, an increase of also, um, no, you know, and, attacks and things and like that. So bravo for what you're doing. And what yeah. happened with that Disney uh, lady that, that uh, she tried to convert her five-year-old and six-year-old to transgender and trans whatever. Uh, I forgot the other word they had. Yeah, they, and, and they, I, they had a surgery, right. And to do that to, to kids, I mean, I, like I said, adults, I don't care what adults do. Right. And, John, one of the stories we had the other day, we were talking I, to somebody. It was a 13-year-old. Now she's 18, but she said when she was 13, um, they convinced her to go through transgender, uh, to take have her breasts removed, and now she regrets it. She feels like the doctors didn't really inform her and her family. That's where – that's. I, I just think for, for me, I mean, the challenge is judges waving. Well, we got, we got Governor, 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 Governor Patterson. More importantly, the great Governor. Yeah, we of the got state a double dub. We got the Governor great Patterson. Governor of the State of New York. You know, I my, apologize, my, Governor. My first thought about this is that um, ch- uh, <clears throat> young people can't sign contracts until they get to a certain age. So we've protected all young people, and not you know, regardless. And to make those kind of decisions for someone when they're six or seven years old takes a decision away from them. When they're 18 to 21 years old. And, and I think that's why a lot of thought should go into this before well, that kind of thing happens. Uh, respectfully to both the governors, I want to say this. What I'm most concerned about is the fact that they're making it some states, for example, California, where you cannot allow parents to know what's going on with the kids. You actually suppress, that is wrong. You yeah, suppress is. the information yeah, that is and you wrong. don't allow parental You're gonna influence You're going to take my 13 year old daughter and do XYZ too? Yeah, parents should be me? involved. Come on. I mean, absolutely. Don't you agree, Governor McGreevy? I, as a parent, I, you know, 
My daughter would argue that I want, my daughters would both argue that I want to know entirely too much. But I mean, that, <laughs> but I mean, part of, for me, for part of being a parent is being as informed as possible in my, in my daughters and sharing their, sharing their decisions and sharing their. And trying to give them some, some wisdom and common yeah, sense. I'm getting a signal from the. But I, I also just think, John, on, on gay pride, it's, it, it's, you know, and I understand these wedge issues, whether it comes from the right or from the left. But I think one of the real things about gay pride is to look at how much this nation has changed, and I would argue for the better. It's come a long way. It's come a long way. I remember when I was a young kid in school. I mean, it was not something, but you know, I walked into the Garden State Equality Gala like a couple a couple of weeks ago, and and you know, people there were there were elected officials there, there were people, there were straight people, there were gays and whatever, and it's just, and I think to celebrate and to recognize in America. And I know there are parts of the world where people are literally thrown off buildings and, yeah, and hung stone. and, hung well, and stone. That's, that's why I don't understand sometimes the Democrats uh, loving some of the stuff in the Middle East, because they, in the Middle East, if you're gay, they throw you off the roof and they kill you. Well, and, and it's, 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 in different parts of the world. And so no. it's just part of it on, on, on Gay Pride Month is to say, look, at, we as a country have always been about opportunity, God willing, moving in the right direction. And the most, you know, and, and the fact that Cast Matides has three Democrats on show that, like, there's, there's hope for America. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. And I understand right after the break, we got a lot more to go. Big news. But we got day. Alan Dershowitz calling in on some more breaking news. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now on some other big news is Professor Alan Dershowitz. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, a blockbuster, basically, testimony coming out of this IRS whistleblower, uh, basically saying uh, that Hunter Biden saying, hey, my dad's sitting right here. Uh, you better cooperate. Uh, you better work with us. And it's a Chinese uh, official, basically, ahead of the Communist Party business person. Many people are saying this could be a big smoking gun uh, tying Biden to his son's business deals. How do you see it? If it's a valid post and if it's true and if it can be confirmed, it certainly establishes a degree of probable cause to warrant further investigation. Remember, we're just a day from the Durham testimony where he says, basically, look, uh, the Justice Department is applying two standards of investigation. One to anything related to Trump, in that case, anything is probable cause and anything justifies investigation. And the other relating to Democrats and Biden and there and Clinton. And there they have a much, much higher standard of probable cause. Now, you have to have a single standard. And this one, if it's true, and we have to keep an open mind about that, but if it's true, certainly satisfies any definition of probable cause that I'm aware of. It would be enough to get a search warrant. It would be enough to, you know, subpoena, um, you know, need probable cause, but certainly enough to justify subpoenas and certainly enough to ask people to testify in front of Congress, look at the material, validate it or say it's not valid. But, you know, we're entitled to know the truth. We've had too much secrecy in this government and not enough transparency on all sides. That's why I want the Trump trial televised. 
That's why I want the whistleblower's testimony made public. I want to hear the wiretaps, the uh, the um, uh, recordings, the alleged 17 recordings. I want to see what's on the laptop. We're entitled to base our decisions on facts, not on speculation. We need more facts and less speculation. And, Alan, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. There's another problem, and it puts the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, in the crosshairs. Garland testified before Congress in Senate hearing that before Grassley that there was going to be full cooperation of the Department of Justice, and if there were crimes committed or worthy of investigation against Hunter Biden outside of the District of Delaware, that is in California or District of Columbia, there would be no blockade of by those U.S. attorneys to allow the Delaware U.S. attorney to go after them. Remember, this is a salient fact that the Delaware U.S. attorney was not a special counsel, so he needed the authorization from the, the D.C. or the California U.S. attorneys, and that was stopped. And so the whistleblower was saying that was deliberately stopped by the Justice Department. That's worthy of a hard look as well. Well, boy, that would really be something dramatic if that happened. I mean, I know I've had a lot of experience with interstate investigations of crime. And, you know, there's always cooperation between U.S. attorneys in one district and the other district. Sometimes there's competition as to who will actually indict and try but there's rarely competition as to uh, getting the evidence. Uh, everybody always cooperates about getting the evidence. And, and of course, you're right. Uh, special counsel have some limitations. District U.S. attorneys have different limitations. But we just have to get to the bottom of this. We have to get to the bottom of this. There's too much distrust. And there's a good reason for the distrust. You know, we distrust the U.S. attorneys now. We distrust the attorney general, we discussed, we distrust the media. Um, we need more transparency. We have to be the ones to see and hear everything with our own eyes and ears, not to hear it through the filter of politics or the filter of the media. Uh, that's the real issue today. Again, as we always say, uh, Professor, it's uh, the American people, all they want is the truth. And that's all we're asking for. I mean, uh, I mean, there's a credibility loss uh, at uh, the Department of Justice. I don't want to blame the FBI as much because yeah. their claim is that they're taking orders from the Department of Justice. And they're right. And most FBI agents, I've worked with many of them, are above reproach. They are the most honorable and heroic men possible. I just want to say for one second, thank God for your show, because you're one of the few media shows that everybody can trust. You have people on every side. You don't have an agenda or a narrative that you're pushing. You're just looking for the truth, and you're doing it whether it hurts one side or the other or helps one side or the other. We have too little of that, and I just want to thank you on behalf of you know so many Americans who count on a show like yours to bring us the honest truth down the middle rather than somebody's version of it. Well, Professor Dershowitz, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, and that's all we want is the truth for the American <laughs> people, and uh, all of us should work together to get it, and thank you, and we'll catch up thank soon. Thank you. <laughs> Looking forward. Thank you. Well, we're back. I wow. mean, that's, uh, that's some news there. Uh, I think the American people, all they want is the truth. I don't, you know, and you know the other thing I said? I said to somebody I was talking to, uh, Tim Martinez in Dallas today on his syndicated show. And I said, the American people want the truth and somebody has to go to jail. 
No, you notice that nobody goes to jail. Yeah. Well, except a couple of Republicans. Yeah, they I was going to gonna say on a certain side. By the way, speaking of the truth, John, uh, there is a. Uh, you guys I, are innocent. You guys got nothing to worry about. You're Democrats. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think you're a little harsh on the. Me, I'm, look, the truth is, I'm an independent. And like you, and you I am, I'm a registered independent. I mean, I might Absolutely. be registered. I was a registered Democrat. Uh, and then I became a registered Republican when I ran. Yeah. But I'm the, I'm a guy in the middle. But I, it, I can you're be, common no, but sense. But it's, I'm common it's, sense. But it uh, goes person. to what Richard said. It's respect for the law. It's respect for the FBI, respect for the Department of Justice. And, and I think we've got to get back to the center, John. And that's what I think everybody, and that's what, you know, when Rita said earlier, off the air, it's, it's what yeah. makes people have to believe in the system. They have to believe it's fair and that it works no matter who you are. And the, by the way, I'm sure you may have heard this rumor, uh, Gov. There's a rumor that the guy sitting next to me here, uh, is looking to potentially and, and boy, would CNN be lucky to buy CNN. Well, there's a rumor. Well, 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 can I say what the new rumor is? No, the new, Zucker put out a yes, tweet today yes. on the New York Post that Zucker says, well, if CNN goes for sale, uh, I want to buy it. Jeff Zucker, and then of course, I the answer, former head I answered the tweet. And what did you say? I said, yeah, you yes. did enough damage already. <laughs> <laughs> the, I'm glad you did enough damage already. He took, he took the CNN down to new lows. Well, that's why, Jim McGreevy, don't you think CNN or any place would be lucky to have somebody like this in charge? I, I, said, you I, I said to the people at CNN, and certain people, I can't talk about who, that if... If I was in charge of CNN, you had 400,000 viewers today. I will certify and guarantee 2 million by by in one year. Yeah, and by the way, you could do it. Honestly, you absolutely could do it. CNN needs somebody who actually would be balanced, as to your point, Governor, who can talk about all sides and really common sense. Let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, today is uh, we're celebrating Gay Pride, and we have uh, the Stonewall veterans on. And uh, let's take that break first, and we'll come back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Today, 77 WABC celebrates pride all day long. The diverse voices and achievements of LGBTQIA plus trailblazers who created space for themselves and others. Pride is self-love. Advocating for visibility and equality for all humans. Talk Radio 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. As you can tell, we are celebrating Pride Month. And joining us now is Willie Henderson, Wilson Held Henderson, president of the Stonewall Veterans Association. Um, you know, Wilson, it's great to have you here. And, and you especially understand the history, of course, uh, you know, the history, of course, with Stonewall. But walk us through where you think things are today. And uh, so it's Wilson Henderson, director of the Stonewall Rebellion Veterans Association. We clarify that so no one assumes that we're a military group. We're militaristic, but not military. <laughs> well, so, very good. That's even better. So go ahead. Go, go ahead. I'm glad to do the show. I've done it a few years with Mr. Katz. 
I have three of them, Siamese. <laughs> so, um, you said you wait, need wait, to wait, be at a comedy wait, wait, show. I, 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 I like great. another Greek cat. <laughs> Wilson's good. I love this well, guy. We have our friend Malia Takas in Staten Island. Uh, she has a dog, actually. I'm thinking she had a cat. She has a dog. So anyway, the uh, Stonewall Club was open for four years. The original Stonewall Club, not what's there now. How many years? Four, from the beginning of 66. I thought it was, I thought it was 200 years old, you told me at one time. <laughs> You're kidding you know what we were doing 10 years? We'll get to 1969 in a second, but Mr. Katz, you know what we're doing 10 years ago now? What? Your mayoral campaign. Oh, my God. 10 You're years right. ago today. 2013. Wow. You're this, right. That's right. We didn't forget, and you never forgot us. No, we, wait, we wait. wait Listen, Jim McGreevy, Governor yeah. Jim McGreevy, is running for mayor of Jersey City. Are he you going to support him? <laughs> You mean gay Governor Jim McGreevy? <laughs> yes. Well, 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 it's true. Does Remember he qualify he for your club? Page? Yeah, for yes. Wilson, we do you know my him. friend David Rothenberg? I know the name uh, sure. when he ran a long time ago, many de decades, decades ago. Decades ago when he, he ran for New York City Council. Correct. So I saw McGreevy on uh, Marsha Kramer's show on Sunday. So he was very good. He's very reserved. So getting back to the Stonewall Rebellion, the club was nice. It was clean. It was safe. It's not like some of these phony reports you hear about. It was run by the mafia. They were good business people. And I guess they still are. Um, but, <laughs> by the way, some oh of those God. guys are good and business they, people. And they guarantee protection. <laughs> they guarantee protection. Right. They, well they kept it clean and they kept it safe. What happened at the Pulse nightclub in Florida a few years ago would never have happened at any of the gay clubs in New York when they were run by the mafia. They were friendlier then, too. So we went there for four years. I speak for myself and some of my high school friends. Wilson, are, are, you, a, are you an informant for the FBI? <laughs> no, no. Okay. We have they, have next a gay, they have a gay group with the FBI now. They called us last week. Do you know, do you know my friend Brian Downey? Uh, he came as a guest speaker five years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, he's with the uh, police officers. We get one <laughs> month. Can we talk? By the way, we have somebody else who's joining us now, too. Uh, Bert Kaufman, a civil rights activist uh, since 1969, who's also joining uh, ho us. Hopefully Bert. he's not going to endorse the mob as well. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Bert, are you a big supporter of the mob? Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, he's the vice president of the Stonewall Rebellion Veterans Association. <laughs> What's the, gentlemen, would you please just tell everyone what's the significance of the Stonewall Rebellion Amen. In, in terms of the history? What are you rebelling against? Yeah, what are you rebelling against? The Stonewall Rebellion brought the gay rights agenda up onto the radar screen yep. of America's popular consciousness after 1969. Before that, it was something that wasn't spoken about. Maybe only once a year in the New York Times reporters, pages of the magazine. But after that, it was everywhere, all the time. Do you, mundo. do you feel the gay uh, uh, people have gotten freedom finally? We've come a long way, but still a long way to go. Well, which well, way when you, you, see, when you, you read about uh, gay couples 
you know, having children now, adopting children, and, and gays can get married, which, of course, we were always for. The Beach Boys had a record uh, in the Stonewall, original Stonewall Club jukebox called Wouldn't It Be Nice? You know, a big hit record. And one of the lines was, wouldn't it be nice when we can be married? And, you know, that was sad for us hearing that because we couldn't be married and no one even dreamed of it at that time. Yeah, and it's also it's also true, John, that the world or the country, I mean, there are parts I was down in D.C. with some young young people from high school and there was a young gal. Uh, she was in high school. And she came out and she told her teachers, oh, oh no, John. Here it is. Here's oh the song, God. Here, Beach here Boys. Goes, here there we go. John's pulling at the Beach Boys. But, but I mean, it's That's still, it. there's still parts of the country where Thanks these. Thanks for playing that. That is really nice. And you know, people wouldn't think the Beach Boys would have a, a, a hit song in a gay club, but they did, obviously. You just played it. So, um, and the, by the way, the most popular groups at the Stonewall Club, jukebox was like Diana Ross and the Supremes and Barbara Streisand and uh, who else, Bert? Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. And And the Marvelous. Wait, that's another going back to the mob stuff. (laughs) Well, I I just want to tell everyone, somebody who deserves a lot of credit is a late great chief judge of the state of New York, Judith Kaye, because after, after the law was passed, Yep. And it became legal to have the weddings in gay communities. Right. She sent out a memo to all the judges. I was sitting in the state Supreme Court at the time saying, asking for volunteers to perform the weddings. And overwhelmingly, the members of the judiciary in New York State said, sign us up. We'll be happy to do that. And that leadership was Judge Kay, and, and she should be remembered yeah. for Governor that. Governor Andrew Cuomo did a lot of the gay marriages. He, he, if it wasn't for him, it would never have been passed. He actually changed the law. <clears throat> Because at that Absolutely, time, governors yeah. d- didn't have that ability. That's right, but he did. And and also, uh, the Stonewall movie, people ask us all the time, what's the best source to get information? It's a Stonewall movie, which came out about five years ago. I was the consultant on the f- film, Wilson Henderson. So I had... And, and that was done it. by Roland Emmerich, who you all know from movies like The Patriot with Mel Gibson, and Independence Day with Will Smith and White House Down with Jamie Foxx. Get the movie uh, Stonewall by Roland Emmerich. That is an incredible film, which you watch that, then you'll know what was going on during that whole Stonewall era from 1966. Uh, Governor Patterson, last, last, uh, before we take a break. Last I year. just wanted to point out when they changed the law, I performed seven uh, marriages. And on the 8th, I decided to have affirmative action and the couple was straight. Wow. <laughs> By the way, it's, it's, this is ironic, uh, Mr. Katz. You remember last year when, when Bert and I did the show, Governor Patterson was on, like, I think right after us last year. I, I want to know if Governor Patterson, are you still allowed to perform weddings? Yes. How yes. about you, Governor McGreevy? No. Wow. Well, well, no, I, because in Jersey, it's, it's the prerogative of a local mayor, so governors to my knowledge, can never perform. It's your local mayor as... Wait, here's another reason to become mayor. Yes. There that's, that's you go. Exactly. There are a lot smarter <laughs> people to perform weddings than me. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. We yeah, have to take a hard Jim, break. have your campaign call us. Yes. We'll get you oh, the numbers, Mr. Governor. Vets, Mr. Katz, i got to give out the... I'll get hit over the head. Uh, 
www.stonewallvets, V-E-T-S, one word, .org. So it's stonewallvets.org. We have an incredible and very popular website. And, and thank you for remembering the history. History is so important as Americans. Absolutely. Bravo. Uh, Wilson and Bert, thank you guys very much. Well, let's take that break. And when we come back, uh, Mayor uh, Suarez, another mayor. From Miami, was in the office about an hour ago, and we taped five minutes. God bless him. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. What is today is uh, Francis Suarez, an American lawyer, a politician, and serving as the 43rd mayor of Miami. This week, he said that he wants to run for president. With us, Francis Suarez, Mayor Suarez, what's going on? Well, thank you, John, for having me. It's a pleasure to always be with you and change the conversation in America. We want it to be a conversation that focuses on what we're for, not what we're against. And I think a conversation where you're talking about the future of this country in a positive, inspirational, and unifying way is a different conversation than the one that we've been having, one that can create generational prosperity instead of a generational inflation one that can solve big problems like immigration, and I think a Hispanic Republican president would be in the best position to do that, and one that understands how to confront the dynamism of China that is both an economic and now increasingly a national security threat to the United States. I mean, there's so many things happening in the United States. Uh, People are starting to really get worried uh, about our borders. They're worried about uh, what's going on. Uh, with, uh, with fentanyl, what's going on with our universities, what's going on in Washington, well, not even the Saudi Arabians, uh, who are our loyal uh, uh, allies, uh, believe what's going on at the White House anymore. Uh, what say you about that? I say that they should be worried. I say that we haven't been a good friend to the Middle East. I say that we've, unfortunately, our policies uh, have been incredibly disruptive in terms of uh, our projecting American strength, which is something that we've gotten accustomed to in my lifetime and we've gotten away from in this presidency. You know, uh, I never thought that I would say that we can live in a world where in America the poor are getting poor, America is getting weaker, and if we don't do anything different, China could become the lone superpower in the world in my lifetime. That is not the kind of country that I want my children to grow up in. I have two children, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and I want to give them every single opportunity in this dynamic economic environment that we're in that's becoming increasingly knowledge-based, increasingly digital, for them to succeed. And the only way that's going to happen is if we position ourselves to win these generational economic battles like we've been doing them in Miami. Now, uh, you're of Latin background. Uh, How many uh, Hispanic Latins are there in America? There is uh, a growing percentage. It's about 20% of the country, which is roughly 60 million people. 
And uh, I think it's the key to winning. You know, oftentimes some of these presidential elections come down to 40, 50,000 votes nationally. When you think about what would it, what, how much votes you'd have if you changed one or two or three or four or five or 10% of the Hispanic vote, it would be earth shattering. It would be generational in its impact. And I think um, I'm focused on not just winning the election in 2024. I'm focusing on, on a generation of elections where Republican candidates can attract young voters that we lost to Biden by 26 points, um, that they can attract people in cities that I won by 85% and then was reelected in 80% and changed Miami-Dade County from a plus 30 for Democrats to a plus 10 for Republicans, a 40-point swing. That's the kind of change that we can get, including Hispanics and, of course, suburban women, which are, uh, you know, the, the quintessential swing voters in America that often decide presidential elections. So I think, you know, what I have to offer is unique. It's a combination of public sector experience, private sector experience with an inspiring, unifying message, which I don't think any other candidate, frankly, is offering. Well, uh, if, if you uh, couldn't sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning, what do you think the number one problem is for our country? The number one problem, uh, if you ask Americans, is inflation. Uh, the number one long-term problem is China. Uh, inflation is a problem because we cannot get out of our own way in terms of federal spending. Uh, we don't know how to balance our budgets. We haven't been doing it for a long time. Um, but if you look at local governments, state governments, and families in the kitchen table, they all balance their budget. In fact, we have the largest surplus uh, in our history. Uh, we also have the highest bond rating in our history. And that requires discipline. It requires making tough choices. And it requires having courage in, when you're budgeting. We cannot continue to live this fictitious life where we're having these debt ceiling debates every other year um, and, and, and on the precipice of, of catastrophic financial failure in the world markets. Um, that's number one. And number two, when you think about China, what they're doing, with fentanyl, like you said, killing eighty to 90,000 Americans on an annual basis, um, using our trade deficit and the stealing of our pita subvertus in our hemisphere, um, outmaneuvering us in places like Africa, uh, trying to broker peace between Saudi and Iran. I mean, it's just a really scary world when China is the aggressor and China is threatening Taiwan, the China, South China Sea, um, Japan. I mean, it's, 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 it's really bad. Mayor Francis Suarez, uh, Miami. Thank you so much for coming on. Would you please keep us informed as your campaign goes on? Absolutely, John. You know I always do. Thank you. You got it. And Governor McGreevy, I understand you're leaving us now. Well, you know, I got, I've got to go back to the sacred soil of New Jersey, the New Jerusalem, John. <laughs> do, they, do, they, do they charge you a toll to go back? Yeah, well, I, I, exactly. They charged me a toll to come into this. Uh, not for, yet. For not time. yet. It's going to be more. Congestion prices. Well, no, I still pay a toll. I still I know, pay I a toll. Now, like the, you're doing some cool stuff with veterans. Tell us yeah, about it. Yeah, and I just, you know, just listening to the mayor, and I just wanted to be quick about this, Rita, is just, you know, when we think about addiction, we think about people coming home from addiction treatment, people struggling from heroin and and opioids, and then again, veterans coming home after the trauma of service. I just, I, I always believe in putting it out there that men and women in uniform, as well as those suffering from addiction, people coming home from prison and jail, I just ask them if they're on the right side of the river, uh, in, in New Jersey on a serious note. It's www.njreentry.org. It's connecting people to treatment, to medical care, mental health care, housing, and then eventually employment and training. And for so many guys and gals that have gone through combat situation, the trauma is so significant. I mean, I'm not going to share with you the stories, but I just want to create 
an opening for them Thank to you. know this Bravo. somebody who cares. Thank you, Bravo. Governor John, Gravy. I've been Gravy. thrown off a better radio station. Uh, yes. That was great. By the way, and great with message. with us today, say hello. We got with us today is Matt Rich. Matt, how are you doing today? Hey, boss. I am doing very well. Hi, Rita. Hi, Hi Matt. And, and Matt, so I, I only got Democrats in, in the studio. We got Governor uh, McGreevy. We got Governor no, Patterson heard, and Judge heard. Weinberg. We, we're no God. Republicans. Nobody came to work God. today. God bless them all, I tell you. <laughs> John, I'm so happy to be with you. It, it's really meaningful, uh, the, the length and stretch of our friendship. And Rita, you know how I feel about you, how I love you, how I love your work. Oh, thank you, Matt. Around the world. So I have uh, made a change in my own life. Uh, I joined for the first time in, uh, a board, and I'm serving on the um, Log Cabin Institute, a nonprofit, nonpolitical group. And our goal is to raise awareness around the world of the murder and torture of gays in 17 nations in Africa, in the Middle East, in many Muslim nations, and that a, um, a wonderful past president of ours helped uh, Erdogan uh, in Turkey create um, a refugee camp. Wow. That, that, that is breaking news. A, now, you know, Matt, Matt, we, 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 don't, we don't have much time because we got to do one more, guys. But, Matt, what I want you to do, when you are you in the city, you should come into the yeah. studio because we'll that, that deserves to be heard. Yeah, that's important. Uh, in person, 17 countries are throwing gays off the roofs. The demonstration is mainly in uh, the Saudi countries because they want to have a big splat on the uh, sidewalk as a uh, a prohibition to others. Wow. Bravo for doing that, Matt. We are so proud of you for, for standing well, up I, for all rights. Bravo. Well, make, oh, make, make an appointment with Matt Wanning, our producer, and we'd love to see you in the studio. I want to, I want to quickly say Rick, Ambassador Rick uh, Rennell is my fellow board member and the one who twisted my left arm off to say, you're going to do this. Wow. Well, I am so proud of you, Matt Rich. Uh, definitely come in the studio and share this more with us. You are terrific. Thank you so much. And uh, now to, to we have Bill Parker. Is Bill Parker yep. on? Yep, we got Bill Parker. To find out Bill Parker, 30 years in the Navy and a real Navy man to find out if anything more we should know about the submarine. Bill Parker, are you there? I'm here, John. Uh, good to be back on your show. Uh, tell us, what do you think happened? They're saying they think the thing imploded. Is it that easy to implode? What's the pressure at uh, 10,000 feet? Well, it's uh, so, so the idea here is that the pressure uh, is uh, one atmosphere for every, uh, every 33 feet. So every 100 feet is about three atmospheres. This was down 12,500 feet. Uh, so basically the idea is if you put five, school buses on every square inch that's the pressure pushing in on this and it's a carbon fiber therefore on a square it's inch. like titanium per square inch wow per square inch per square inch i mean if it's not if it's not a uh, if it's not illegal i mean wh- wh- what do our uh, nuclear submarines go down to what do, what do you think it is <laughs> i know what it is um and uh, but but for this particular thing, uh, uh, if it gets reshaped and it dove many times um, before, uh, the the shape can change just slightly. So as you go down in depth, it no longer is able to uh, have that perfect sphere, that perfect uh, 
a shape it's supposed to have, and it can it can fail. And of course, if you have anything, we talked about this yesterday on your show. But if you have any kind of failure of a a nut, a bolt, anything like that, uh, it can fail quickly as well. So, and it had a very old access system to it. Now, let me understand it, uh, so everybody else can understand it. It's like having the weight of ten school buses on a per square inch of space on that uh, uh, on that sub. Wow, that, that's correct. You're, I mean, you're. They were more than two and a half miles down. That's where Titanic sits right now, twelve thousand five hundred feet. So every every mile is five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. So it's over two miles straight down. That's a lot of pressure on top of whatever's sitting there. Uh, whether or not this failed on the way down or whether it failed when it got to the bottom, as we talked about yesterday, it was probably doing somewhere around, if it was in free fall, about 40 miles per hour as it hit the bottom, um, assuming they didn't have electricity anymore so they couldn't do anything with their propulsion. It was a direct impact. And so if it didn't fail before it hit the bottom, it probably did as soon as it hit the bottom. The good news of that, if there is any good news about this, is that, the people on board, two of whom I've known very well, um, probably uh, didn't suffer a whole lot because it's about a four-minute trip from the surface to the bottom. I knew that guy Hamish, uh, uh, and because uh, he had called me and wanted to buy one of our airplanes a few months before that. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's, uh, Hamish and um, uh, one of the members of the Explorers Club, which I'm a fellow at, and um and Paul Naglia as well. Uh, he was the pilot who a very experienced guy. Um, so we know him well. And of course, Stockton Rush, who was the, the CEO of the company and made a lot of dives on that particular vessel. These well, are good people trying to do good things. It's, it's and did sad. they make mistakes? Probably. Oh, so sad. Thank you, Will Parker. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you for the report. Look. Wow. Thank you. So, Thank you. So, John, by the way, tomorrow you got to tell us about your dinner with Trump. I had All dinner right? with uh, Donald Trump last night, and uh, I got noticed very, like, at 4 o'clock, I got noticed, and I left at a quarter to 6 to go meet him. Wow. So I want details tomorrow. And it was only tomorrow. about, uh, what, 14, 15, 16 people of, at dinner, and we got some quality time in, and he wanted to hear from some New Yorkers about what the heck is going on in the country and, and in New York. All right. got to fill us in tomorrow. We'll more. I can't wait. Tomorrow. Can't tomorrow. wait. Tomorrow. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.